0: I do hope everyone here can truthfully sing that hymn, what a blessing to be able to sing truthfully, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am so thankful for a redemption that really did redeem. I have no use nor time for any theory of a redemption that only made redemption possible or even a people redeemable, I'm thankful for a redemption by the blood of Christ that truly did redeem. What a great blessing to be able to sing with the saints of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Tempted to change my message. I just love that. A true redemption. It's just something to think about. You know, we sit here and we sing that hymn that we're redeemed, but if you really just give thought to what you're saying, what all is involved in redemption of God's people, the precious blood of Christ, paying the penalty of our sins, having a true redeemer, chapter 12, verse 23. and My text really, my message really goes along with that. My message is actually a continuation or part two of the message that I preached last Sunday on the gathering of God's people, and I mentioned this again today, gathering together, and what a blessing that's going to be. When all of the redeemed of the Lord are gathered together in glory with our Savior, with our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. John in chapter 12, I will begin reading in verse 23. Verse 23. Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it under life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Now if my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, But for your sakes, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying what death he should die you would focus your attention upon the words in verse 32, the words of Jesus Christ, he said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. I pointed out in the message last Sunday and I pointed out here on numerous occasions, when you read a phrase like, The latter part of verse thirty-two, you need to give it consideration. We know, just by experience, we know by the Word of God, not every man, woman, boy, and girl that's ever been born into this world is effectually drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that were true, if if they were all drawn unto Him. Hell would be an empty place. But we know that there are those who leave this world and are consigned to that place called hell, where every unbeliever who dies in that state finds himself, even as that rich man. You remember the account of the rich man in Lazarus? He died, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. That man was never drawn to Christ. Therefore, when you read this phrase in verse 32, If I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. How do you understand that? How can you rationalize that with the knowledge that there are now people in hell? All men are not drawn to Jesus Christ. Some live their lives in rebellion to Jesus Christ and they die in that state. The answer to the question is very, very simple. The phrase, I will draw all men unto me, is not all men without exception, but rather it is all men without distinction. Without distinction of race, cultural, national. It does not matter whether it's Jew or Gentile, bond or free. People without distinction are drawn to Christ. All people without distinction. It cannot possibly mean all men without exception. And we need to have that understanding. But I want you to notice in the Scripture, and we'll get to our text, that it is by and through the effectual working of of God the Holy Spirit that anyone is ever drawn to the person of Jesus Christ. But we are thankful that there are those who are drawn, effectually drawn to Jesus Christ. Back up to chapter 6 in John, if you would. And I'm going to point out two very precious promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are precious promises that we need to look at, understand, and surely we ought to believe. John chapter 6 and in verse 37. Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's the first promise that you find in John 6 in verse 37. The second promise is this. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Two very precious promises. One no greater than the other. It would be hypocrisy to say, I believe one without believing the other. I firmly believe that there is a people whom the Father has given to the Lord Jesus Christ, chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, Chosen unto salvation. Jesus said in verse 37, There are some people that the Father has given unto me, and all of them shall come to me. He did not say he hoped that they would, or they ought to, or they should. He said they shall. This is the gathering place, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these shall Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. The second promise is just as precious and great as the first. Him that cometh to me, no matter who it is, again, no matter what their background may be, how deep they may have been in sin, anyone, anywhere, at any time who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he will Follow the instructions and even the command of the Lord Jesus Christ and preach the gospel to every creature because I know no matter who it is and where they are, if they come to the Lord Jesus Christ, He will receive them. He will never cast them out. He will never reject them. People may say, well, how do you reconcile these two things in the Scripture? I don't. They don't need reconciling. They just need believing. It's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. There's no reason to wrestle with these things in your mind. Just take it as it is. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. I have no doubt that all that the Father has given him shall come to me. I also have the great confidence anyone, anywhere who comes to Christ will be graciously received by the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that's just a blessing. If you can just comprehend the two promises in verse 37, it'll just uh, get rid of a lot of problems that you might have. If, if preachers would stand in pulpits today and not just preach the last part of verse 37, but preach all of verse 37, it'd be a great blessing to churches. There's churches across this, this world in our, our country that have never heard the first part of John 6 verse 37. They've heard the last part. But one, again, is just as inspired of God as the other. And we can speak the words of verse 37 with full assurance simply because Jesus did speak these words with full assurance. There was no doubt in his mind all of these that are mentioned here in God's time are going to find an irresistible attraction in the person, work, and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they shall come to Him. It's going to happen in their lifetime. They cannot choose the time. They cannot choose the place. But somewhere the Holy Spirit is going to work with them, give them spiritual life, and they're going to be drawn and attracted to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. I want you to look back in chapter 12 again. Where we were reading in John chapter 12 and in verse 32 and verse 33. He said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying what death he should die. He signified he was going to die even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. He was going to die by being lifted up between heaven and earth, signifying death by crucifixion. He would die in that manner. But also we find other things here that he is going to draw. I mentioned last week in uh, Genesis chapter 49 and in verse 10 about Shiloh, the prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, To him shall the gathering of the people be. To him, Shiloh, when he comes, to him shall the gathering of the people be. I'm going to go back to Isaiah, and I'm going to read in chapter 11. In Isaiah, and in chapter 11, and in verse 10, another prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering of the people unto Him. What a blessing this is to just consider. There's only one person. Only one person in heaven and earth to whom those whom the Father has given to the Son are going to be gathered together. Others might be gathered to Buddha or other false gods, false religion. But Jesus said, All that the Father has given me, they're going to come to me. To him shall the gathering of the people be. Isaiah chapter 11 and in verse 10 and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse just consider what you're reading which shall stand for an ensign of the people to it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious the word ensign here By definition means a banner or a flag. One that is lifted up. The word ensign indicates, again, by by definition, a, a meeting place, a rallying point. That is the Lord Jesus Christ, our lifted up Savior, our crucified Savior, our Redeemer is our sign of victory. Again, we rally together around Him. While you're in Isaiah, look in chapter 56. In Isaiah chapter 56, and I'm going to read verse 8. Isaiah 56, and in verse 8. The Lord God which gathereth Notice that word. The Lord God which gathereth the outcast of Israel, saying, Yet will I gather others to him, beside those that are gathered to him. The gathering of the people. We'll read this again. The Lord God which gathereth the outcast of Israel, saith, yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. Now, when I read such words as this in prophecy, I know that prophecy is going to be fulfilled. I know that there is somewhere that this prophecy is fulfilled. He said, I will gather the outcast of Israel, but there's also others that I'm going to gather also. And again, the gathering point is the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me back to the book of John, this time to chapter 10. We'll note the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of John, and in chapter 10, I'm going to read verse 16. John chapter 10 and in verse 16. Again the words of Jesus himself. He said and other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. What Jesus says here goes hand in hand with what you read in Isaiah 56 and in verse 8. John chapter 10 is a, a great lesson of Jesus as the great good shepherd of the sheep, how he will give his life For the sheep, you can read that in verse 11, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 15, the latter part of the verse, I lay down my life for the sheep. But let no one think the word sheep as he uses it here is confined to the people of Israel. It's not confined to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus said in verse 16, There's other sheep that I have. There's other sheep that I have. If you were singing this morning, truthfully from your heart, that you were redeemed, you're in that group right there. The other sheep that He has. Other than the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He's speaking about bringing in the sheep, lost sheep Of the people of the Gentiles. That's where we find ourselves. How thankful we ought to be that Jesus had other sheep. And notice in verse 16, these are his sheep. He said, Other sheep I have, claiming ownership of these other sheep also. And he said, I have other sheep I have. He said, they're not of this fold. They're not of the nation of Israel. But again, the outcasts, the, those in other parts of the world. Notice what he said. And notice how Jesus did speak with certainty. And I'll say again, I can speak these words with certainty because he did. He said, them also I must bring. I must bring. There's no doubt in his mind. I must bring these other sheep into the fold. Notice what he said. He said, they shall hear my voice. They shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. What a blessing when you read and are able or enabled to believe the words of Jesus Christ. Look in chapter 11 of John if you would. John in chapter 11 And I'm going to begin here in verse 49. John chapter 11 and verse 49. And one of them named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Gathering of God's people. I love the word in verse 12, or the two words, gather together. Gather together. I mentioned the conversation I had with Brother Paul Brown in Thailand this morning. Janice and I have rode right beside that village. Janice said, Uh, playing hot down where the school is that village there she didn't hear the conversation but she knows where the people are and we've rode through there many different occasions going to a church further up the mountain but these people down here had no regard had no care about the services that were going on up here year after year Lord, blessing up here people being saved, church up there, been there for several years now. The people down here in this village, less than a mile away, I guess, care nothing about it. What happened? Brother Paul told me this morning that the gospel has gone there, and now it was not rejected. People receive it, and now there's a little Baptist church there that's just been full. We ought to thank God for that. We ought to thank God for that. The gathering of the people. We don't know where they are. Jesus said, oh, the Father has given me. They're going to come. And It does not matter if they're in a village like that in a high mountain in Thailand or here in Grenada or where they are. They're going to come. The gospel's going to to come unto them and they are, are going to come if for no other reason, simply because Jesus said so. That's reason enough for me. That's reason enough for me. In the book of Luke and in chapter 7, Luke and in chapter 7, I want you to read about a woman One single woman. She was not accepted in society. She was looked down upon. She was thought unworthy for anyone respectable, at least, to to associate with. Certainly, religious people would never have this woman in their home. But I want you to notice, she's one of those that Jesus said, they shall come to me. They shall come to me. In Luke chapter 7 and in verse verse 36, and one of the Pharisees, keep in mind who this is, one of the Pharisees desired Jesus, him, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meet in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears. And it wiped them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. And when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who or what manner of woman this is that touches him, For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. I always try when I read that phrase, try to imagine the tone in Jesus' voice there. Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. He saith, Master, say on. Here's what Jesus said. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman. Keep in mind, she came up behind him, washed his feet from behind him. Evidently, this is the first time he sees this woman. It says, He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth much. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Notice verse 44. Jesus said, seest thou this woman? Consider this woman. Speaking to a self-righteous religious Pharisee, seest thou this woman? It would do us all good to consider this woman, this woman. In verse 45, he said, this woman, this woman. Verse 46, he said, this woman. He said, Simon, you need to pay attention to this woman. This woman who you view is not worthy to be in your house, but she's here. You didn't invite her. I didn't invite her. She came in uninvited and as far as the master of the house was concerned, she just came in unwanted. But she found an attraction in Jesus and she came to Him. Did He turn her away? No. He said, Thy sins be forgiven thee. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me and Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. As far as the religious world was concerned, this woman was an outcast. But she was one of those other sheep that Jesus said, I must bring in, and they shall come. They shall come. Jesus said, Seest thou this woman? This woman, I'm convinced, stands even as Saul of Tarsus and his salvation as a pattern, as an example. They will come. No matter what the circumstance may be, it will be overcome because they shall come. And again, there will be that effectual drawing. I won't turn there, but in John 6, in verse 44, no one can come unless the Father draws. He draws. He draws. And His drawing is always effectual. If you believe otherwise, you believe in a defeated God. His drawing must be effectual. And they do come unto Him. Sinners of all sorts... Sinners from all places. It does not matter whether it's Matthew sitting at a, a table or cheating people of their taxes or if it's Zacchaeus up a sycamore tree. It does not matter. They're going to come. It may be a sinner like Mary Magdalene who at one time had had seven demons in her, possessed of seven devils. It might be a eunuch, very religious, returning from from Jerusalem to Ethiopia, and there he is in the desert reading Isaiah. What did God do? He just uplifted a man from over here, put him out there with that one man, and the eunuch said, Who's this this about? And the scripture says, From the same scripture he preached unto him, Jesus. It might be a Philippian jailer. We don't know who they are. We don't know who they are. We just know they're going to come. It might be a businesswoman in a foreign country out by a riverside with a few women praying. She's praying, but she's lost. And God just opens her heart. And she's able to attend to the things that Paul Jesus said, seest thou this woman? Don't forget that. Seest thou this woman? God's people are going to come. Jesus did not die in vain. I can assure you, based on God's word, there will never be one sinner in hell for whom Jesus Christ died. He said they're all going to come. And there's the gathering of them. And let me mention this before I close. I may not speak on the gathering here again. Never forget the Lord's churches. The Lord's churches. That's the gathering place. Did he not say where two or more are gathered together? Did you get that? Gathered together in my name. There I'll be in the midst. We gather together. begin with those words. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessings. We're gathered here this morning. We are a gathered people. The Lord sets the members.